Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. When we assemble together as God's people, there's a function that takes place with all the different parts of the body. And I assure you that much of the ministry that takes place in this place is not just from pulpit to pew, but it's between you and you. Nothing blesses my heart more than to see you in fellowship together, praying together, breaking bread together. This is Acts 2.42. This is what the early church did. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. The body of Christ needs each other. In today's message from Pastor J.D., he reminds us how important each and every member of the body of Christ truly is. When we assemble as God's people, we encourage one another through prayer, communion, and worship. This time of unity is so precious and helps all of us to grow closer to Christ. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 6 with part 2 of his message, Recognizing and Resisting the Devil. Here's the problem. Satan is successful in getting us, instead of standing and resisting him, to fall prey to him and his schemes. And again, it's very subtle because he uses condemnation. And there's something innate within our sin nature that buys into it. And what I mean by that is when Satan comes in and suggests that, oh, you can't stand. You know you're going to fall. What are you going to do? Ask God for forgiveness again? You think God's just going to keep forgiving you? And here comes this condemnation, this, this guilt, and he, he just begins this whole process successfully of building this infrastructure of guilt and condemnation in our lives. And in so doing, we needlessly walk in defeat instead of victory. I'll be very candid with you. I hope not too uncomfortable for you when I share this with you, but this was my Christian experience for many years. Early on, I was so defeated because I was living under the crushing weight of Satan's condemnation. He was right there all the time. You did it again. I I thought you told God that you would never do that again. (laughs) By the way, can we just resolve this once and for all, hopefully? Do you think that when we say to God, God, I'm so sorry, I'll never do that again, that God's up there going, you won't? Okay, well, if you won't do it again, then I forgive you. But if you do it again, forget it. Deals off. As absurd as that sounds, that's exactly what Satan does in yours and my life. 
And again, this was my Christian life and a Christian experience for so many years. He's condemning me, and I'm going, yes, I know. How could you do that? I know. How can I do that? You did it again. I know. I did it again and again, and I told him I wouldn't do it again, and oh my goodness, what have I done? And oh my goodness, I better keep my distance. Right? Romans 6.14. Are you still in Romans? Can you go back a couple chapters to verse 14, chapter 6? Listen to what he says. For sin shall not have, keyword dominion over you. Here's why. For you are not under law, but under grace. You know, again, as... as uh, <laughs> dorky as this may sound. I have the gift of dork. But if Satan could white out a verse in your Bible, this would be at the top of his list, Romans 6.14. No, wait a minute. Don't be dismantling my infrastructure of condemnation and guilt. And oh, by the way, Romans 8.1, there is therefore, that's another one he'd want to white out and rip out of your Bible. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Do you understand what this means? I hope that, Lord, please help me to explain this as simply as I possibly can. But the guilt and the condemnation of my sins no longer dominate or master me because I'm not under the law. Satan wants to keep me under the law so he can keep condemning me. But I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. See, what do we know to be true about the devil? Jesus said this, that he comes to, in this order, interesting, steal, kill, and destroy. That's his plan. You know, we always say, well, God has a plan for your life. Did you know that Satan also has a plan for your life? And by the way, it's not Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans not to harm you, you know, but to give you a future. And I hope we all love that verse. Satan has a similar verse. I have a plan for you. My plan for you is to steal, kill, and destroy you. I hate you. Have a nice afternoon, right? So that's what his plan is. How's he going to carry that plan out? Oh, see, he knows that he can get us in this way because we're all susceptible to it, if I can say it that way. What do I mean? We're all susceptible to this notion because we were taught that way growing up, right? If I'm good, then I get good. If I'm bad, and certainly in school, and I please don't misunderstand me and don't email me. But in school, the whole education system is built upon this premise, is it not? I'm not trying to be derogatory. I'm just trying to explain a dynamic here. So here's what we're taught growing up. If you get a 90% to 100%, you get an A. Or you can get a B. Or if you were like me. You never saw a B or an A in your entire life in school. There were other letters further down the alphabet that were your, uh, anyway. So you bring home bad grades, ooh. And especially when your dad was 
a teacher like my dad was, and I was a teacher's kid. So I'm bringing home bad grades, and dad is mad. So what am I going to do now? I'm going to start now viewing and thinking of my heavenly father through the lens of my earthly father. And if I bring home bad grades, then my earthly dad is mad. Well, wouldn't it stand to reason then, if I'm not doing so good, that my heavenly dad is going to also be mad? No, think about it. So man, I I blew it again. (sighs) And here's Satan right there saying things like this. Man, I, I don't know, dude. <laughs> if I were you, I, I, first of all, I, I would just kind of keep your distance for a while. And, I, and, and don't, don't pray and ask for forgiveness again. How, you can't expect him to forgive you again. And here's the other thing, man. I, it's been a rough week. I, you know, I wouldn't, bother going to church if the people in church knew what you did don't look at the person next to you right after I just said that <laughs> oh I, I we talked about this Thursday night David I believe the author of Psalm 42 and 43 reflects on when he was in Jerusalem assembling with God's people there in the tabernacle And he's reminiscing. Some believe he had fled at the time from his son Absalom. And he's just, he's missing the fellowship with God's people and and worshiping with God's people. And we talked about in Hebrews where it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some. If you just give me a, a second, I'll take my watch off and use it for an illustration. It reminds me of a funny story about a uh, pastor took his watch off and uh son asked his dad, he says, what does it mean when the pastor takes his watch off and puts it on the pulpit? To which the dad responded, absolutely nothing. But anyway, that's that wasn't my illustration. <laughs> so I have my, it's a Timex, by the way. I, I wear a Timex. I think it was $39.99. And takes a licking, keeps on ticking. <laughs> you younger people have no idea what that means. And that's okay. That's okay. So I have all of, I have this watch and it's assembled. Now, what would happen if I had all of the parts to the watch, all of the intricate parts, the springs, the dials, all of those parts, and I just had them gathered? It's not going to function. But when it's assembled, it functions. You see where I'm going with this? When we assemble together as God's people, there's a function that takes place with all the different parts of the body. And I assure you that much of the ministry that takes place in this place is not just from pulpit to pew, but it's between you and you. Nothing blesses my heart more than to see you in fellowship together, praying together, breaking bread together. This is Acts 2.42. This is what the early church did. It's an integral part of the body of Christ and a body of believers. And it's healthy when you have a healthy functioning body. Can you see why it is that Satan doesn't want you going to church? That's why it is, by the way, when 
on a Thursday night for the midweek Bible study, seven o'clock right here in the sanctuary, seven o'clock p.m. right here, Thursday night Bible study. <laughs> That's why Thursday about five o'clock, a drowsy, tired exhaustion, the likes of which you cannot remember feeling all week, descends upon you. You're like, man, it's been a rough day. I don't really feel like going to church. Oh. <laughs> Of course the enemy doesn't want you to go to church. He doesn't want you in fellowship with God's people. And then when you stand and resist him and you go to church, it's like the first worship song you're going, oh my goodness. First of all, that drowsy tiredness that descended upon you, gone. Why? Because the devil's gone. He fled. It didn't work. Nice try. That's why it is when (laughs) you go to read the word, right? You're like, I know the plans I have for you. What do you think that's coming from? Or, or, we'll we'll talk about this prayer. Oh, you try to pray, Satan will do everything he can to keep a Christian from praying, to keep a Christian out of the Word of God, to keep a Christian from assembling together with God's people. Let me see if I can try to wrap this up. The reason why Satan wants to keep condemning us is because if he can succeed in continuing this condemnation, then he will also succeed in getting us to continue to fall into sin. And it's not so much that he wants me to fall into sin as much as it is what he accomplishes, which is that he gets me distanced from God and his all-sufficient grace. He will, again, do everything and stop at nothing to disenfranchise me from the grace of God that awaits. And he knows it. And he knows that I know it, but he doesn't want me being on the receiving end of it. So how's he going to keep me from that? Condemnation. I have a book in my library, and I want to close with this. It's a treasured classic. It's been a huge help to me over the years. It's written by Roy Hessian. He's the author of the book, The Calvary Road, which I highly recommend if you've never read it. But... This uh, writing is forgotten factors. And to me, he explains so well how it is that living under the condemnation of the devil dominates us, masters us, and leads us to sin even more. Listen to what he writes. In that condition of despair... We have little motivation but to commit further sin. Our spiritual situation is so dead and unsatisfying that we feel a further act of sin is not going to make things much worse, so why not? The most we can hope for in this situation is to try to hide some of the more shameful sins. But, listen very carefully, The longer we hide sin, the longer it goes on condemning us 
and we get more and more under its dominion. Is it not obvious from all this that the real purpose of Satan in provoking us to commit sin is not merely that we might do something unethical, but that when we have done it, he might have the opportunity to accuse us. He is called the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12. And then in that condition, we are rendered powerless defeated, not victorious, but powerless. The Christian who has committed an impure act feels himself the next day an utter dog. He does not want to look God or his fellow Christians in the eye. And as for undertaking some spiritual service, he would rather run away and hide. This is just the result the devil intended when he provoked that Christian to sin. If I could just be candid again and I'll end with this. When I sin, I go to the Lord and I confess my sin and he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness Instantly. He doesn't have to think about it. It's not like he's up there going, I don't know on this one, JD. I mean, come on. You're the pastor. I, I need to, I need to think about this one. Give me a few days. Really? Dare I say that that would be blasphemy? What? Yeah. Here's how I get there. Did not, as we're going to see in our prophecy update, Did not Jesus complete and finish the work on the cross? Did he not say, it is finished? He did not say, it's finished, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll just, you know, play by ear. And, um, you know, the jury's still out on this one because, I don't know, it's pretty bad and you know, I can't believe you said that or did that or watched that or you know what, you fill in the blank. No. The longer it takes for me to go to him where grace awaits, the longer I unnecessarily give the devil a blank check, a signed check, an open check to fill in the amount of condemnation that he wants to accomplish in my life. And it's so insidious because he keeps me away from the Lord and his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy longer and longer until finally I'm walking in complete defeat. I want to ask you a question as a, as a parent, for those of you who have children and grandchildren. It's been said that you're only as happy as your saddest child. I was thinking about this in my own life, that my children have been the source of great joy and also great sorrow. Great sorrow when I know they're struggling. 
And when they're struggling, I mean, it just it does something to you as a parent who loves them so much. Well, if it hurts you when your children are hurting, how much more do you think it hurts the heart of God when we as his children are hurting? Do you think our loving Heavenly Father wants to see us as his children walking and living defeated lives like this? I assure you he does not. I assure you he does not, especially when he's already wrought the victory for us. Don't let the enemy get away with that in your life. Don't let him do that to you. It stops right here and it stops right now. And you say to him, get thee behind me. You are a defeated foe. You are a liar. Are you suggesting, pastor, that I talk out loud to the devil? Well, as we learned last week, he's not omniscient. So it's not actually the devil. It's his minions, his demons. If the devil's right there, you listen. (laughs) The devil cannot be two places at one time. So if the devil is there with you, wow. Can I talk to you after the service? Because how do you rate, right? Yes, I am suggesting that, by the way. Call it what it is. And I even say out loud, and this might be a, a little bit gnarly for some of you, but I call him a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. You get out of here. You are a defeated foe. Oh, but he's trying to give me a spirit of fear. No, God told me not to be afraid. You're telling me to be afraid? You're a liar. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to worry. You get out of here. You have no business here. You get away from me. You get away from my kids. You get away from my marriage. You get away from my wife. You get out of here. You better get away from this church too. Listen, when we, when we get to, I know I keep saying this, but when we get to the armor, you know, the Christian faith is a fight. I don't know if you like that or not. Is it, listen, it's not a, you know, a play field. It's a battlefield. It's a fight. It's a struggle. This, this thing we call the Christian faith, we are fighting for our lives. We're in war. And I'll tell you what, if <laughs> the devil's looking for a fight, well then the devil's got a fight in me. Cause I'm gonna fight. I'm not just going to whimper. I'm not just going to cower and falter in my faith. You want to fight? Bring it. (laughs) Now, of course, you know, (laughs) right? I'm I'm, I'm talking big (laughs) because I know who's right there. And that's who the battle's against. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Ephesians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've created a mobile app for Apple and Android devices too, so you can take Pastor JD's teachings with you on the go. 
Download from your app store or find a link at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to catch the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website and click on the YouTube link. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. We'd love to have you join us as we praise the Lord and learn from His Word. Find out more at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. That's all we have time for today. Pastor J.D. will have much more to share with us from Ephesians when you join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth Radio. Holy me true.